Lord, we thank you for this wonderful evening. We thank you, Lord, for this great church that you have given us. Lord, we are so grateful. As we have come, oh God, we welcome your spirit. We ask, oh Lord, that your spirit remains with us. Spirit of God, speak to our hearts. We love you. Have your way amongst us. We silence every other voice that is not of God. That the voice of God be heard. Let it not be man's wisdom. Let it not be the enticing words of man's understanding and wisdom. But may it be the engrafted word of God. Which is able to save our souls. We thank you Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Wonderful. It is good to see all of you this evening. And on behalf of our own presiding bishop, a dear father, Bishop Dagwood Mills, I want to welcome all of you to this wonderful sanctuary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful. Well, we want to continue with the message that we've been sharing for these last few weeks about a mind of a servant. A mind of a servant. How many of you are becoming servants? Or at least you are desiring to be a servant. Hallelujah. You are also desiring to be a servant. Amen. It is good to be a servant. Hallelujah. It is good to have a mind of a servant. It is good to always have in your mind that you are a servant of God. Hallelujah. It is always good whenever you are with someone to have a mindset or a readiness to take that position of a servant. Hallelujah. And we say when we talk about servants, when we talk about a mind of a servant, there is one classic mind that we want to have. Hallelujah. There is one classic mind that we want to learn from. Amen. And it is the mind of the king of kings. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that when we are learning about servants, when we want to learn about servants, we are learning from the mind of the king of kings. The mind of the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. That is what makes it desirable even to have the mind of a servant. Amen. So why don't you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 has been our foundational scripture. And verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. How many of you have been blessed from this series of messages that we've been sharing? I am being blessed every time we share about this message. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I want to read from the Amplified Version. I like the Amplified Version in the scripture. It says, let this same attitude, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, 
which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Who, although being essentially one with God, essentially, he was one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God, God. Did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant or the form of a servant or slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. Hallelujah. So this is the step that he took. First, someone who was in the form of God. The Bible says, though being essentially one with God, that means when you take God and you take Christ, they are one together. Do you see? He says, essentially, they are, he was one with God. And in the form of God, he was in the form of God. If you are talking about the God the omnipotent, he was that. If you are talking about God the creator, he was that. If you are talking about the all-wise God, he was that. If you are talking about the God that has the glory, the God that the angels bow to, he was that. Hallelujah. He was that, essentially. Possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God, God. All the attributes that we talk about which make God, God, he was it. But he did not think this equality with God was a thing to be equally, to be eagerly grasped or retained. Hallelujah. I mean, why would you not have the eagerness to even grasp such attributes? So that was the beginning of his downward trend. The Bible says he had a mind in himself. He set up his mind to take this turn. Hallelujah. He set up his mind to take this stand. And so he says, verse 7, he says, but he stripped himself of all privileges. He stripped himself of all privileges intentionally. Not the kind that is being stripped from you. Do you see? You see, there are some people that are, they become humble because some things are taken from you. You see? That you lost your job and you become humble. Do you see? You, 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 all, all you, 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 all your friends are married and you are not married, and so it has made you humble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or your, your husband has started beating you, and so you have become humble. Hallelujah. You see, there are so many things that can bring us to a place of humility. Do you see? Because you are poor, you are humble. You see? Because we will know when you get money. We will know when you, when you have money. We will know whether you are poor, whether you are humble, or you are not. But you see, Christ Jesus, he said that whilst he had all these attributes, whilst they were still his attributes, while he still had them, he stripped himself. He stripped himself. He was not stripped. He stripped himself. 
of these things. The Bible says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. You, the dignity that you have, you didn't acquire it by rightful means. And now it has been taken away from you. That is why you are humble. But he had rightful dignity. Hallelujah. He says, he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. So as to assume the guise of a servant. He was not brought to a a, a guise or a form of a servant. But he intentionally stripped himself. So as he will be in the guise of a servant. So he will be in the form of a servant. Hallelujah. In that, he became like man. Do you see? This is how... He became like a servant. He left all his godly attributes. And then he became like man. And was born a human being. Not in a palace. He was not born to some rich family. He could have chosen because God chose the family in which Jesus was to be born. God made a choice. God had a choice. God could have chosen that he would have been born in Herod's house. That as a king of kings is coming to the world, he should be in a palace. He should have servants. But he was born in a manger. Hallelujah. Even you were not born in a manger. As poor as you are, you were not born in a manger. Even the country that you come from, you were not born in a manger. Hallelujah. Even, even poor people in villages, I don't, I've not heard of anyone who was born in a manger. But he intentionally, God intentionally orchestrated all this to bring him to that lower place. Hallelujah. Where no one else has gone before. There's nothing lower than that. Where else could you be born that is that? Even if you were born in a lion's den, you say that it is a wild, you know, but sheep, among sheep. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Nancy, it is good to see you. Wow. Amazing. Hallelujah. He says he became like man and was born a human being. And after he, after he had appeared in human form, look at that. Not that it was enough. After he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself. I'm trying to teach you something. The Lord of Lords, he abased and humbled himself still further, further, as if it wasn't enough, as if being born in an manger was not enough. He humbled himself even further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death. Not an ordinary death. Not like a death where you have an accident and you die or you live to be 990 years old and you die nicely, a good old age, full of days. No. But he chose to die even the death of the cross. The most embarrassing death. Hallelujah. Now this is a very important verse. Verse 9. It says, therefore, therefore, and in case you don't understand, he says, because he's too so low. He said, because he's too so low. Not because he was in pain. 
Not because he was in agony. Not because he was tired. Not because he carried a heavy cross. But because he was able to stoop so low, God has highly exalted him. God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That is at the name of Jesus. It says every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no other name like Jesus. And the reason was because he stooped solo. He went solo. Hallelujah. He went solo. Amen. So we have been sharing so many things about a mind of a servant. About a mind of a servant. And we are seeing more and more that being a form of a servant is more of a blessing. Hallelujah. To choose to be a servant, you are choosing a pathway to a blessing. Hallelujah. And so we have been learning about the characteristics of a servant. The characteristics of a servant. And I think I have given you a few characteristics. Hallelujah. Can we give me one of the characteristics of a servant? We said a servant has a master. If you are a servant, we should see a master. We should see someone that you submit to. Someone that you call a master. Hallelujah. You see, a lot of people call themselves servants, but they don't have masters. There are so many people that say we are serving, but they don't know who their master is. But if you are a servant, you ought to have a master. The second one, what did we say? We said a servant is at the beck and call of his master. A servant is at the beck and call of his master. Hallelujah. We learned so many things about this particular point. We said a servant is at the beck and call of his master. Hallelujah. I think we need to have that mentality. If you are a servant, then you are at the beck and call of your master. Hallelujah. If you are a servant, you don't do what you want. But you are at the beck and call of your master. Hallelujah. If you are a servant, then your master should be able to say, come, and you come. He should say, go, and you go. We read a scripture in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 9 about the centurion who said, I am also a, a person in authority. I am also a person in authority. Hallelujah. And I'm able to say to one, go, and he goeth. And I say to another, come, and he cometh. And I say to my master, do, my servant, do, and he doeth. Hallelujah. No questions asked, no discussions. If I say go, he just goes. Hallelujah. He doesn't ask how far, how long is it going to take. He just goes. Amen. He just goes. Hallelujah. And so we read about two people who chose this form or who chose this mindset of a servant. I believe we read about Joshua. Isn't that so? Joshua chapter 1. We read in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. We said, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, do you see? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. 
that the Lord spake unto Joshua. That the Lord turned now to speak to Joshua. And we say that there were other people. He says that the Lord turned to speak to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, what did he say? Saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. As I was doing with Moses. Then he says, from the wilderness and this Babylon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Hallelujah. Do you see? So, this man, we said he has been following Moses. He was at the beck and call of Moses. Moses says, go and get me Tylenol, and he's running. No, I want mortarine, and he's running. I need water, and he's running. I need soda, and he's running. I need juice, and he's running. Everywhere, he's just running around. He's just running around. And as if he's just seven, there were other 70 elders. Other 70 elders whom Moses chose. Do you understand? You see, if you are, if you are a leader, if you are a leader, you choose people that you feel comfortable working with. You choose people that you can trust. Do you understand? So you see, God is the one. God said, choose 70 people, 70 elders. There were a lot of other elders. And Moses looked at the people and he says, I flow with this one. I flow. There's nothing wrong with that. Pastor, why did you choose to work with this one? Moses said, God told the Moses, he said, choose 70 people. Choose 70 people that you want to work with. And he chose 70 people. He chose 70 of the elders. Hallelujah. 70 elders that he can trust. 70 elders that he knows they are for him. 70 elders that when things happen in the camp, they come to tell him. Hallelujah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. They are the people that he can trust. Hallelujah. And so he chose 70 elders. And he brought them to God. How do I know that there were other elders that could have been chosen? There were other two elders who were in the tent who didn't come. They were not part of it. And God felt, God felt that, oh, these two also, I can include them. Even the man of God didn't really know that they were for him. Do you understand? That is why they also started prophesying. And Eli, uh, Joshua came and then he's complaining, hey, these two guys, I don't know what has come over them. They are pretending to be your 70, among your 70. He says, leave them alone. If I had a way, I wish that everyone amongst the camp will be a prophet of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So these 70 elders, they were there. They had been working with Moses. And you will think that when Moses had died, God will now at least use one of these 70 to take the people. 
But the Bible says, the Bible says, the moment Moses died, verse 1, give us back to verse 1. It says, the moment Moses died, it says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord turned and he started now speaking to Joshua. Not any of the 70 elders. He bypassed 70 elders who have experience. 70 elders who have been in the church for a long time. 70 elders who Moses trusted and chose. 70 elders who knew the scriptures very well. 70 elders who knew the Old Testament and knew the revelations in the Old Testament. Not these recent Joshua, a recent Joshua or the New Testament revelations. I told you about. <laughs> he says these lighthouse pastors, they are New Testament revelation preachers. And God bypassed all these prophets, all these elders who knew the scriptures, who knew the history of Israel, who knew what Moses had taken them through, who were there when Moses ran into, ref- I mean, went to uh, become a refugee. They were there. And God bypassed all of them and chose the servant of Moses. Hallelujah. The servant of Moses. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? God chose the servant of Moses. Amen. We read another one in 2 Kings. Isn't that so? 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 10. 2 Kings chapter 3. Look, every man of God will choose people that he wants to work with. People that he feels comfortable with. And you should not complain. You should not complain. Eh, when did he come? That, eh, when did she? I mean, how long has she been here? How long has he been doing this? How long? The, every man of God will choose someone that he's comfortable with. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, there, there, there were people, there were people among Jesus. When Jesus was working with his disciples, he came to a place, he says, look, I want you to tell me something. What are the people talking about concerning me? What are they talking about? Tell me. Amongst the people, what are they saying about me? Say, hey, Jesus, what has he heard? What has he heard? What has he heard? Maybe he has heard something. He says, look, tell me, tell me the things that the people are gossiping about. When they gather in their homes and they are talking about me, this new guy who has shown up and do, what are they saying about me? Jesus was interested in knowing what the people were talking about. Did he not know? But he wanted to know their loyalty. I said he wanted to know their loyalty. Did he not know if he's the all-knowing God, the omniscient God that is omnipotent, that is everywhere, all-knowing, does he not know in their various homes when they gather the conversation? That, but he was teaching us something. He was teaching us something that if you are for the man of God and something is happening in the congregation, it is okay to tell the man of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you are not a gossiper. You are not a gossiper. Amen. So if you know, you know all the things that are happening and you are keeping it to yourself, it's disloyalty. Jesus was teaching us right here, loyalty and disloyalty. 
that you are working with a man of God and nothing has ever happened in the congregation that is not good that the man of God should you have never come to tell the man of God any, there's something wrong. I said there is something wrong. There is something wrong. Jesus said, what are they saying about me? They are talking about me. Tell me, I know they are talking about me. Tell me what the things, the things they are saying about me. He said, well, you know, I don't know if you like it. You know, I mean, you know, you say you are the son of God, but among the people, they think you are one of the prophets. Some, some, when you when you're prophet, be that is around us. You are probably a New Testament prophet. Because since the Old Testament, there are no other prophets, but you are saying it. So this is what the people are saying. Hallelujah. And then another one said, oh, well, some people are also saying you are John the Baptist in a way. Some people are also saying you are Elijah in a way. We don't know. Then Jesus looked at them. He says, and you also, you, you, wh- when they talk, what do you say about me? When amongst them, when they are gossiping and you are with them, when they are talking, what do you say about me? What are some of the things that you say about me? You, 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 you. What do you also say about me? Hallelujah. He said, when they gather and they are talking, do you, what do you say about me? Because some, some, some of you also can choose to just be quiet. You know who he is, but you don't say anything. Hallelujah. You see, it is not backbiting. It is, it, it is loyalty. And God is interested in that. Hallelujah. When the guards at the king's palace, at the gate, when they gathered and they were making a plan, gathering to make a plan to kill King Hazazus, and Nehemiah heard, Nehemiah was at the gate, and he heard, he heard the people talking about the king, planning to overthrow the king. He went and he told Queen Esther, he said, hey, this is what people are planning to know. Those people you think they are for the king, they are at the gate, keeping the king safe. They are the watchmen. This is what they are planning. So go and tell the king. And he didn't, he, you, we, we, I, I thought the man was ah, some way. Because the people felt that, oh, as you are with us and hallelujah. Amen. It's loyalty. Amen. And the time came that this loyalty, it became a blessing to Nehemiah. This loyalty became a blessing. At the time when Nehemiah's life was on the line, at the time when the whole of the nation was on the line, the Bible says that the Lord caused the king to have a sleepless night. The king could not sleep. And he says, bring me the books and read me history about things that have happened in the kingdom. And they brought him the books and they started reading and they read and they say, ah, but this man who, who went, when we heard about the conversation and he told us what has been done for him, what has been done for him? I said, God remembers your loyalty. I said, God shall remember your loyalty. There will be a time that your loyalty will come and shall save you. As you are being loyal, it will come a day that it will come and save you. God, remember your loyalty. Hallelujah. I believe the people didn't like it. The people heard that, hey, this guy, watch him when he's around. 
when he hears, he goes to the king and he goes to talk. So when he's around, be careful. And the people say, look, it was because of him that these two guards were killed. So be careful of him. And you will think that he's a bad guy amongst them. But that loyalty was remembered. I said that loyalty was remembered. In a time that was crucial, that loyalty was remembered. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When you are serving, serve well. Serve well. Serve with your heart. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 3. Is somebody being blessed this evening? Second Kings chapter 3. And verse 10. Second Kings chapter 3 and verse number 10. It says, And the king of Israel said, So you remember the background of this story. That the king of Edom, the king of Judah, and the king of Israel were going to war against the king of Moab. Do you see? They were going to war against the king of Moab. So the Bible says, And the king of Israel said, so these three kings came together as they were planning the war, as they were planning how they are going to attack. So he says, and the king of Israel said, alas, that the Lord had called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? You see, this time, Elijah was the one who was prophesying whenever there was war. Elijah was the one who they would go to. But Elijah has died. So, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord? Don't you have prophets here that we may inquire of the Lord by him as we are going to war? And one of the kings, one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Oh! You are looking for someone. Here is Elisha. And what is his qualification? He says, oh, he's the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. He says, if you are looking for a prophet, well, you know, Elijah is dead. But there is Elisha. And he is the servant. He is the son of Shaphat, who was Elijah's servant. Do you see? Which poured water on the hand of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, then, if that is what you are saying, then the word of the Lord is with him. If you are telling me that he was a servant, then the Lord, the word of the Lord is with him. So as someone suggested Elisha, I could imagine that another person came and said, ah, another person who does not understand the things of God. Another person who does not understand, let this mind be in you. Another person who does not understand that Jesus went so low, and the Bible says because he stooped so low, God also exalted him. Another person who never heard about the story of Joshua. He may have said, oh, are you talking about Elisha? Ah, this guy who was just running around the prophet going back and forth. That's the one. Oh, he was just a servant. He wasn't any Obontia guy. He was just a servant running around. 
He said, he was a boy boy. You know what is boy boy? <laughs> who, who does not know what is boy boy? He said, he was a boy boy. Patrick, do you know what is boy boy? Who, does, who, who knows what is boy boy? Opposite of guy guy. He says, oh, Elijah, Elijah, he was a boy boy. He was just a servant. And then another one will say, yeah, that's the one. If he is a boy boy, then he's the one the spirit of the Lord is with. He's the one the anointing is on. And then he will say, it seems you don't know who we're talking about. We are talking about Elisha. Elisha. This guy that's running around like chicken head. Running around like something is, is Elisha. Three kings you have gathered together. We want some here to come and tell us what to do. You are talking about, he was a servant. He wasn't the prophet. The name sounds alike. Sometimes you even get confused yourself. Isn't that so? Elisha, Elijah. So you are confused. It's Elisha, Elisha, not Elijah. Hallelujah. And he says, that's the one. That's the one. If you say he was the servant of Elijah, then he is our man. He's the one that we need. He's the one who has the word of God. Why? Because he was a servant. Because he was a servant. Hallelujah. Because he was a servant. There were other prophets. There were other prophets, hundred prophets who were hidden in a cave. But they were looking and they, were, they said, go and bring us the servant. Three kings, we need a servant. Because if he placed himself in that position as a servant, then the word of the Lord is with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you say he was a servant of the prophet, then the word of the Lord is with him. Amen. Amen. So I hope that you are seeing more and more that the lower we place ourselves, the higher the Lord exalts us. When we place ourselves in the position of a servant, then we are positioning ourselves for God to also exalt us. Hallelujah. You see, when you look in the Bible, most of the people that God exalted, the patriarchs, the people that God brought up, God exalted. If you look at them, they were all people that God put them in an undesirable position. Position that you will not desire. Position that you are not in on top. Hallelujah. If you take Abraham, for instance, you see, he was in, with his countrymen. He was with his whole people. And God took him out. He says, he took him away from his countrymen. To take him to a land that he will show him. So the man was wandering around. Going to places. Two times kings were trying to take his wife from him. (laughs) Hallelujah. If the Lord had not intervened. I mean, if the man was in his own country, who would mistake his wife for a sister? Nobody. But he was running around. He became a foreigner in another land. Hallelujah. Isaac also became a foreigner in another land. The Bible says Isaac was a foreigner in Gerar. And he wanted to even go, because things were hard. He was in a hard place. And he wanted to move to Egypt. And the grace of God found him. He said, stay in Gerar. And the Bible says that is the year he sowed. And that same year, he reaped. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So if you look at all of these people, take Jacob. Jacob, when the Lord wanted to bless him, he had to take him out of his comfort zone, orchestrated things to take him out of his comfort zone, to take him away, to be a servant in his uncle's house. He went there to serve. Even to get a wife, he had to go and serve. Hallelujah. God had to put him in a servant position. In a servant, to be a servant. Even just to be blessed with a wife. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Take Joseph. Joseph's case, as for Joseph, when we talk about his case, God took him all the way down, 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 down as a slave. Somebody who was to become so great. Somebody who has received all these visions. Somebody who has received all these dreams. God took him down, 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 down. You see, when God wants to bless you, he has to give you an opportunity to become a servant. To serve somebody. Getting the opportunity to serve is a blessing. Getting the opportunity to become somebody's servant. Taking, when God takes you away from your comfort zone, don't see it as a curse. It is a preparation for a mighty blessing. Amen. I say it's a preparation for a mighty blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Moses, Moses was in a palace. Moses was blessed in a palace. He had servants. He will raise his arm and they will come. Somebody was bathing him. All you need is stretch forth your hands and your legs. They wash you everywhere. He didn't need to take towel and too much. And then God orchestrated that he became a, a, a refugee somewhere. And he brought him back to make him a mighty prophet. Hallelujah. To become a mighty prophet. Amen. David, David was happy in his father's house. David was happy. He just goes playing the harp in the backyard with his sheep. And he became a servant in Saul's house. He had to serve in the palace. Before God exalted him to become a king. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you this evening? So when God wants to bless you, he gives you an opportunity to serve. Sometimes not a very pleasant condition. Amen. So you realize that when puts you in an in a position or God place you places you in a situation where you are serving or where you find yourself lower than you see yourself. The only thing that will make you want to move away from there or the only voice that will come to remove you from there is the voice of who? Satan. It's the voice of Satan. The only voice that will come to say, you are not a small girl. Why do you let them treat you like that? Are you a small boy? Why do you let them send you around like that? Why? You are not, you are, you, you know you have more education than him. You know you know the word more than him. You know you have been in the church longer than you. Why do you let them treat you like that? The only voice that will come to you to take you away from a position of servanthood is the voice of Satan. I say it's the voice of Satan. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. When Jesus was preparing himself to go down, 
a voice came to him. Let's see whose voice it was. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And look at who says something. He says, And the devil said unto him, The devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stones that it may be made bread. I say it is the voice of the devil that will always take you away from the opposition. This is when the man has been anointed and is ready to be a servant of God, to do the work of God. And he wanted to take him away. Jesus said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power I will give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will give it, if only you will worship me. You don't need to go worry yourself with the cross, let these people embarrass you, be treated like you are nobody going down. Why do you have to go so low? Why do you have to let them treat you like that? If you can just bow all these kingdoms, they are mine. I have a rightful ownership and I'll give them to you. Why do you let them treat you like that? Why do you let them treat you like that? People, if you say you are God, the people that you created, you are going to put yourself this low. Do you think they will believe even that you are God? Hallelujah. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, who? Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Hallelujah. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for how long? For a season. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 21. It says, From that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you. You are not a small boy. Stop that. You know who you are? You are the son of God. Do you remember when I told you that? I mean it. God revealed it to me. You know what God has revealed to me about you? You are supposed to be a pastor in the church. God has spoken to I heard the voice of God. He said, you are a son. In whom? He's well pleased. 
You don't know who you are. Why you talk like that? Daughter, you, know, you don't know who you are. God has showed it to me. Don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. You look, I, look, I am older. I have been around longer. You young men, when you see small, small things, then you start talking by heart. Ah! Listen, the hand of God is upon you. You're going to be great. Just stop talking like that. Don't let them treat you like that. You are a prophet yourself sitting right there and the people sending you around treating you like that. I say, it's the voice that you are hearing and it sounds like a friend. It sounds like a friend. It sounds like someone who has visions. It sounds like someone who has dreams. It sounds like someone who has been around for a while. Be careful with, I heard the Lord, I heard the voice of the Lord, I heard. Be very, very careful of those things. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Hallelujah. You know, once Rick Joyner said something, he said that, as for him, he does not, when people say, oh, I prophesy over you. You, you can't easily just prophesy over him. He says, you have to be his pastor. You have to know him. You can't just prophesy over him like that and you run with it. Hallelujah. He said, look, stop talking. He said, Peter took him aside. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, be far from you. Lord, you are Jesus. Have you forgotten? He says, it shall not be unto you. This thing that you are saying, it shall not be unto I will not sit down and let them treat you like that. Duh. No way. As long as I am in this church, I will make sure that you gain your respect. As long as I am in this church, I will make sure that people treat you with respect. They can't talk to you like that. Who are they? You don't know who you are that they're talking to you. Chia. You are not a little boy that they'll be sending around like that. Amen. Sometimes it can come from your own wife. Your own. Why you let them treat you like why why? Why? Are you a small boy? Why do we, why you let them treat you like that? You two, you are called. Didn't I tell you three years ago the dream I had about you? Have you forgotten? you think I just married you? I know what I saw in a dream. I remember what the Lord revealed to me. You are not... Come on, stop. You, you, this is not the husband that I married. Come on. Amen. So he said, be far from you, Lord. This shall not be unto you. But he turned and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Peter. Get thee behind me, my friend. Get thee behind me, my colleague. Get me behind me, my, my disciple. He said, get thee behind me, who? Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. 
It is only when it is of men that they talk like that. When I am trying to go down, it is only men that see me as going down and not respectful. When I am trying to make myself as a servant, it is only men that sees it as a curse. I'm not a small boy. I know what I'm doing. I'm the ancient of days. I know what I'm doing. How old are you, Peter? Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? I say it is only the voice of Satan. It is the only voice that when you are trying to be a servant, it will come and it will talk to you. To take you away from the servant position. To take you away from serving. It is only the voice of Satan. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God that knoweth that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and you will not be a servant to him anymore. He wants you to remain a servant. But he knows that the day that you will eat this fruit, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. You shall be like him. And if you read the New Living Translation, it says in verse 5, it says, it says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the Bible says in verse 6, the woman was convinced. The woman was convinced that God wants to enslave us. God wants to make us slave. God does not want us to be equal. God wants us to be servants. He wants us to remain his servant. That every evening he comes and he walks around and then he goes to the heaven. And we are suffering here. The Bible says the woman was convinced when, he heard, when she heard the voice of Satan. I say it is the voice, any voice that comes to displace you from a servant position to make you equal with the master is the voice of Satan. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Any voice that tells you you are not a small, if you are doing something in the house of God and someone tells you you are not a small boy, you are not a small girl, don't let them treat you like that. Turn to the person and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He's the only one that is trying to steal your blessing. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a third one quickly. A servant is one who executes the command of another. A servant is one who executes the command of another. 
A servant is someone who executes the command of another. Hallelujah. If you are a servant, then you execute the command of a master. Whatever your master says, you do it. So if you say you are a servant and you are doing your own thing, you are not a servant, really. You are a servant and if your master is calling you and you are taking a shower, you see, you think you are doing something, it's your own, you are taking a shower for yourself. So they call you, oh, and you are angry, ah, I am taking a shower, ah. You see, even I'm taking a shower, you are calling me. What do you need? You are not doing any, you are not serving the master. You are doing something for yourself. Isn't that true? If you are reading a book, you are reading, you are, you are, if you are reading a book or your master calls you and you are catching the news and you are this, you're being disturbed. You are not serving. You are doing something for yourself. You are only a servant when you are executing a command of your master. Amen. Hallelujah. So they ask you, why didn't you come to church on Friday? Oh, Reverend, I was doing my hair for Sunday. Why didn't you come for the prayer meeting on Friday? Oh, I was doing my hair for Sunday. I was preparing for Sunday. You are not serving. You are not serving on Friday. You are enjoying yourself. Meanwhile, this hair that you are doing is from Monday to Friday at the work. It's not for Sunday. Hallelujah. You went, oh, I would have come for the prayer meeting, but they were doing my hair and they finished very late for Sunday. Is somebody being blessed this evening? Hallelujah. Also, if you come to church every Sunday and you are not being asked to do anything, you are not doing anything, you are not a servant yet. You are not a servant. You come to church every Sunday. You are serving yourself. You are on your own. You are a master member. A member who is a master. Because you come when you want. Isn't that so? A servant, we are supposed to say, come and you come. Go and you go. We assign you to do something. So, I don't even say, you come. You come to sing and you go. But when you are a master member, you come when you come. You go when you go. Isn't that so? You are a master member. Ask your next neighbor, are you a master member? Or you are a servant member? Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? If you are, if you come to church also and you are serving in the house, you are serving in the house of God, but you are doing whatever you want. You do whatever you want. You are not a servant. You do whatever you want. You are not a, they say, sing this part. Say, I, will, I, I will sing that part. I will not sing. I'm not good at that part. I will sing this part. This is not my part. Hallelujah. We want you to wear green. Oh, I think yellow will match with my shoes. I will wear yellow. It's my birthday. Then take me out from the choir. I will not sing that Sunday. If we cannot tell you to do what we want, you are not a servant. You are a, a master member. 
Say you are a master member. Hallelujah. As long as you are not taking commands from another, you are a master member. Amen. And you cannot also assume that because you are doing something, you are a servant. You cannot assume that because you are doing something, you are a servant of God. I am the one that does this. I am the one that organizes. I am the one. You are not a servant yet until you are taking commands from someone. That is what makes you a servant. Until you are taking commands. Until you are taking instructions from somebody. That is when you become a servant. Hallelujah. Amen. The next one. A servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job, task, or assignment. A servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job, task, or assignment. A servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job, task, or assignment. Hallelujah. If you are a servant, there is no job or assignment that can inconvenience you. If you are a true servant, no job can inconvenience you. Hallelujah. If you are a servant and your master says, I want, if, Patrick, think about if you have a servant and then you wake the servant at 5 a.m., I want you to take me, drive me to the airport. Say, oh, master, it's too early. Last night, I didn't sleep early. You should have told me. My sister, would you keep a servant like that? He said, Master, next time book your flight for 8. 5 a.m. Why? I don't wake up that early, usually. I'm not a morning person. Amen. You cannot be inconvenienced or you, because of your acrylic nails. He says, come and you say, oh, dishes. I don't do dishes. I don't do dishes. Because they will mess my nails. Your, 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 the, the master calls you and says, Oh, I have some dishes in the sink. Can you wash them? He says, Oh, dishes? And then you show her your acrylic nails. Oh, dishes. You don't, you don't have a dishwasher. You cannot be inconvenient by any task. Hallelujah. You cannot be inconvenient. A true servant is not inconvenienced by any task. Hallelujah. That is why when we change your job also, you should not complain. We've changed your job. Oh, because of my children, I want to be with the five-year-olds. No, we want you to now teach this class. Oh, I want to be with the babies. No, I want, we want you to be with the youth. There should be no complaint. If you are a servant of God, you are a true servant of God and you are serving in the house of God, there is no job that should be inconvenient to you. Whatever they give you, you should be happy to do it. Oh, they have taken my job. I I used to do this. Now they want me to do that. Why? I I have done this for five years. No no complaint. Nobody has complained. Why are you taking me off from this? If you are a servant of God, no job that is giving you, should be below you, should be above you, you should just do it. 
Amen. Because you see, as a servant of God, you see, God, the, the work of God in the house of God is not like the world's reward. You see, God does not reward you based on what you do or how much you do. God does not reward you based on how tired you get when you do your work. The reward of is the wealth that rewards you based on how much you do. It's the wealth that rewards you based on how hard you do it. But God's reward, it is through the obedience with which you do the work. Hallelujah. It is through the obedience with which you do the work. Let me show you a scripture in First Samuel. First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15. Are you angry with me or you, do, you don't like my message? First Samuel chapter 15. It says, Then someone said to Saul, Stop! Listen to what the Lord told me last night. You see, this is when Saul went to war with the Amalekites. And God told him to destroy everything. To destroy all the people and all their things. To destroy them. This was the instruction that God gave to Saul. So Saul returned. And then Saul was talking about, oh, some sacrifice that they have to go and organize and so on because they have come with victory. Then someone said to Saul, stop, stop, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. And then he said, what did he tell you? And someone told him, although you may think little of yourself, you are not the leader of the tribes of Israel. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Is something wrong? Until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the lost sight? Did you hear me? And do what was evil in the Lord's sight. But listen to Saul. This is what is in the Lord's sight. But listen to Saul. He says, but I did obey the Lord. Do you see? I did obey. So sometimes you are doing something, but it's evil in the Lord's sight. He says, but I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. Do you hear? He says, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agar, but I destroyed everyone else. Ah, what else? One person, that's the only person. He says, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops, my, it's my troops, they brought in the best of the sheep, the best ones, not the ones who are affected by war. They brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice, not to me. They are not going to sacrifice to me. They brought the best of the sheep to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Your God, not to any other God. Your God. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? And so sometimes you see, we feel that what we are doing, ah, why is he not happy with it? Why is he not happy? Even you only asked me to visit two people. I visited five. 
Amen. He says, all the things that you are hearing, because someone asking, what are the bleating noise that I'm hearing behind? He says, these are the best of what we got in Amalek, from the Amalekites. And we are going to sacrifice them, not to any other gods, not the man. It is your God that you are going to sacrifice these things to. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Which one is more pleasing? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. He says, now listen, listen. He says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. My God. Could it be, as you are sitting in the church, you are a witchcraft that we are looking at? Hey! Could it be that you are a witch that we are sitting with? A sister Christian? A brother Christian? Hey! It says, your rebellion. They said, do this, and you gather people and say, don't do it. I am telling you, don't do it. I am the one, I'm telling you, don't do this way. That rebellion, it is compared to witchcraft. Witchcraft. Any spirit like that, that is rebellious. Any spirit like that, that rises up against commands, against instructions. Any spirit like that, that speaks against instructions. And then you say, oh, they say we should do it this way. But I say you should do it that way. Any spirit, any voice like that is the voice of a witchcraft. I'm telling you that it's a voice of a witchcraft. It says that rebellion is as sinful. It's as sinful. It's just the same. It's as sinful, equal to witchcraft. And stubbornness, as bad as worshipping idols. If you are stubborn, you are equated to idolatry. Hey, God is not easy. So because you have rejected the commands of the Lord, he has also rejected you as king. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Wow. 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 Does somebody understand the word of God this evening? Wow. So what are the characteristics of a servant that we have learned now? A servant has a master. Number two. A servant is at the beck and call of his master. Number three. A servant is one who executes the command of another. Number four. What? A servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job, task, or assignment. A servant cannot be inconvenient. Is that all? I think it's time we cannot share some more. Why don't you stand onto your feet and let us... Bring the service to a close.